You're listening to Me Search. I'm Crystal. And my name is Dustin. We're two friends taking space and making space for other Filipinos to share their stories and insights. Join us as we talk to folks in the community to discover how they became trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Dustin. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Hey, everybody. So I'm going to lead this episode today simply by calling out the fact that our first episode of the year with Gemma Phillips um, was released on January 6th, which was the day of the attempted coup and insurrection of the United States Capitol in D.C. by domestic terrorists (sighs) and white supremacists. What the heck? is going on (sighs) yeah so before we get into the episode i think it's important for us to acknowledge the time that we're living in Mm -hmm. just so that everyone is aware that we we are aware that there are bigger things in this world happening right now definitely this is so this is definitely a, a manifestation of centuries of you know, what, you know, this country has been about. Mm -hmm. I know we have ideals that we we strive for, but we're still, as a nation, I think we're, we don't know how to make that happen and how to realize that. And Mm -hmm. I think we really need to think deeply about what we feel is the right side of history and to really take a stand, to really be about it. If you are about realizing this these ideals that the united states is about then we have to put in the work plain and simple and to stand up for what's right what you think is right Mm -hmm. and i i hope it's apparent for our listeners that we condemn white supremacy and that we believe black lives matter yeah yeah Maybe we should do a separate episode or like an Instagram live later um, to take a deeper dive because I, I don't want to take away from this, the the guests that we have today on this episode or take too much time on this because I, I know that this is going to be a long episode. Um, so what I want to do quickly, though, is remind folks that we are recording this episode a few days ahead of the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. So when we decided to release episodes on the first and third Wednesday of every month, we didn't realize that the release dates would fall on such important days in our history. (laughs) It just so (laughs) happened that, you know, that's how things worked out. (laughs) So when this episode goes live, it'll be Inauguration Day. And we're really hoping that y'all are safe and well and that folks in this country are making smart decisions and that we all come out of this as as better people as alive <laughs> as you know people on the right side of history yeah definitely <sighs> a time this is um what a time what, what a, time. a time a pivotal time a pivotal yes. time. This is a definitely a watershed moment for our country. Yeah. And um I I I truly do hope that we we find a way 
we find a way to really make this country what it could be. Yes. We got to pull together, y'all. All All right. Um, Let's pull together. Yeah. Um, But of course, that that entails uh, acknowledging our issues. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, Dustin, who do we have on this episode? We're incredibly blessed to have Rosalind Alba Cobarubius as our guest in this episode. She is ABS-CBN's global head of music and talent and the head of mix. Ooh. Wow. We're going to hear about... Wow, indeed. Um, we're going to hear about Rosalind's journey from being a radio DJ at a community college to launching MySpace Music to being a key figure in a global platform that aims to bring Filipino talent to the world stage. MySpace, though, right? (laughs) I know, right? I cannot believe we have somebody from MySpace today. She was there. She was... She was there. She was there. Pretty awesome. Absolutely. Let's get into this episode. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Rosalind Alba Cobarubius to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here at (laughs) MeSearch. Yes, having me. It's an honor. You've had some amazing guests, and I I love the name MeSearch. I'm constantly searching myself all the time. Yes, that's what this podcast. That's what this podcast is all about. about. Yes, thank you. Self reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag self reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, so yes, thank you so much for being here, Rosalind. I know you are a busy woman, and we are so honored to have you as a guest. Absolutely. So yes, thank you. Yeah. Before we begin our official questions, uh, Rosalind, can you paint us a picture of where you're at in this moment? I see like on Zoom, you, you I think that's a virtual background. Yes. But can you like let us know kind of where you're at mentally and or physically? To paint a picture for our audience? Sure. On Zoom, I'm very organized. <laughs> um, in real life, I am, I'm hardly that. My boyfriend will, will attest to that as well. I'm, I'm all over the place. Um, but I think in life, I'm at a point where I'm doing more me search on myself and trying to figure out what this all means. You know, I've, I've had a really great career, some highs, some lows. But now I've, I've realized I've manifested a lot of these things that I didn't think could ever happen. Mm. And I'm Ugh. studying the law of attraction. And it, it's freaking me out in a way, in a good way, because I'm starting to see that I, I, I created this. So now I'm trying to study how I did that in order to pass it on to the next generation. And, and, and I think that's what really all of this meant is for this moment to teach others so they can get it faster. I'm 40, but how can they get to that, to this point of passion and purpose, you know, in their teens and in college rather than wait until they're older? I love it. Yeah. Name it and claim it. Yes. Be the author of your life. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Sign feel delivered. Yes, absolutely. Um, So yes. So our show like we we we've been talking about is all about discovering and reflecting, um, and specifically here we're 
talking to trailblazers and leaders in our community. And again, an honor that you're here. Um, and we're really excited to hear about uh, what's cooking at ABS-CBN and Mix. So can you tell us, what does it mean to be the global head of music and talent for ABS-CBN and the head of Mix? Woo! <laughs> it means that um, I work 24-7. <laughs> There's no time zones because half, uh, half our company is Manila, half our company is in LA. Um, but what it means is I'm helping internationalize our talent. You know, there's such a lot of really great talent in the Philippines that are specifically signed to ABS-CBN. So for people that aren't familiar, ABS-CBN is like the Disney of the Philippines. You know, over 11,000 mm -hmm. employees at one time, um, over, you know, 60-year company owning TV networks, radio stations, record labels, movie studios, et cetera. And primarily content uh, that was uh, exported from Manila to the Filipino channel, um, as well as other networks that, that, that they own, sports and channels, et cetera. So my job is to help strategize of how we can help Filipino talent get to the world stage. So whether it's our own talent that's signed to ABS-CBN, like Inigo Pascual or Kiana V, uh, Moira De La Torre and KZ Thundingan, or it's also building our platform. You know, uh, one thing about bringing Filipinos to the world stage, number one, Filipinos are already in the world stage. We have Bruno Mars, we have Joe Coy, we have the Jabberwockies, right? But we don't have a world stage yet. And so we're building that so that we can help amplify other talent, other voices, other content creators throughout the world um, as well through the mixed platform, especially for the second generation that doesn't really have a, a platform yet like they have uh, for the Filipino channel, you know, for over 25 years. Wow. I appreciate, you know, building this this platform for us on the world stage. How do you see Filipinos on the world stage like in five years from now? In five years, you're you're gonna have to turn on every show and see a Filipino. Just like right now, you turn on every like audition show from America's Got Talent to The Voice, mm -hmm. <laughs> just so you think you can dance. You have Bail Rocks, Cedrice is on The Voice on all the talent competitions. But now with visibility and credibility, credit credibility of what it means to be Filipino American, how we're the third largest, um, you know immigrant group in the United States. We have a high exp expendable income. So that means that we're heavily investing into entertainment um, and other in, 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 in ways that other communities aren't. So we're going to have visibility on TV shows, on movies. You know, this year alone, we uh, launched the first Filipino-led film that was picked up by a major studios, which was Yellow Rose. It was originally funded <sighs> by ABS-CBN um, as, a, as a winner of the Cinematographer Film Festival. So now... In five years, imagine what that's going to look like. It's just mm -hmm. going to exponentially grow from there. And so it's going to be an exciting time. Um, and I hope that we're at the forefront. You know, we're telling Netflix what our uh, sitcom looks like. You mm. know, we're telling them what movies to, to produce. We're watching the Bruno Mars documentary or movie inside theaters like A Star is Born. You know, that, that's what's coming. And I, I, I could foresee the future. Yes. Man, I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Yellow Rose, by the way, was yeah. such a beautiful film. Oh, I'm so glad you guys And such it. an important film. Ugh. Yeah, oh. and, and I think it's unique because you, uh, we usually hear the, the, the Western uh, perspective of Filipino-Americans, but to have right. to be a Filipino-American story in Texas, mm -hmm. 
was so unique and it was, it was so different. And I love, I love the fact, I love that Diane wrote that, you know, it took them several years and got the biggest stars from, from Eva to Leah Salonga to oh. Princess to really tell that story. Um, but imagine there's going to, now all the storytellers are, are, I feel empowered that they can also just share that, you know, and it, there's so many programs that also have different film stories. Like recently, you know, Pharrell Williams launched a show called Voices of Fire on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And one of the main core, uh, choir uh, people that made it, her name was Danley and she's from Virginia and she was a part of the Navy um, singing group. And then she made it to this competition and you can see her family within the show as well. So you already see, the impact that it's making in culture, especially with people like a Pharrell Williams, where his best friend and his partner is Filipino. He grew mm -hmm. up, you know, walking in and out of Chad Hugo's house um, and understanding our, our, our diaspora or E40, who's helping, you know, fund the Lumpia company. All of these folks in different cultures are investing, um, you know, into Filipino talent and, and content. And, and they're not necessarily even Filipino, but they understand um, the, the talent or, or just the, the power of the storytelling behind our behind our families, which is great. Uh, my heart is exploding. <laughs> snaps, finger snaps to that. Yeah. <laughs> so Rosalind, you've been making some moves in the industry for a while now. And before working with ABS-CBN, you played a huge role in marketing for platforms like MySpace Music and for artists like Drake and Bruno Mars. What was it like for you coming up in the music industry as a Filipino? You know, I didn't, I grew up Filipino American and um, my mom really assimilated. She didn't really speak the language in our household. We learned a little bit of, of why that happened. And she actually came here at 22, at 22 years old. She, she became a dietitian first and worked in a lot of the hospitals like Martin Luther King Hospital. And then she became this boss lady who ran her own car sales company, and then eventually her own insurance company. Um, so we we grew up around the traditions of Filipino culture, meaning we had the food, of course, every single night. My mom's the best chef from Caldereta to Carecare to <laughs> anything, you name it, right? Um, the traditions of family culture, the karaoke and Christmas. But when I, when I got into the music industry, it was I was a big hip hop fan, like mm. real extreme, Walnut, California, West mm. Covina, 90s hip hop, underground, Black Eyed Peas, Jurassic Five, Dialed Peoples, A Tribe <laughs> Called Quest, De La Soul, Bostef. You know, so a lot of that, I was watching BET, I was watching MTV and I was really heavily involved in music, but there wasn't anybody that was Filipino at the time. So I didn't really connect my career with my cultural identity, you know, for close to 20 mm -hmm. years. I would get excited, you know, when they, they told me, I would get phone calls all the time with people pitching their artists. And I worked with a lot of these artists when they first started. So I would get the call when, um, you know, Justin Bieber's manager, Scooter Braun, is trying to get him media exposure. So I did that first live stream interview with him. Drake, we did it. I did his first, you know, online interview. But when I would get a call about a Bruno Mars and they're like, hey, there's this talented Filipino songwriter <laughs> that's doing these small shows. I'm like, really? And I listened to the music and it's amazing. I would bring him into the office. And it was just an, ex an exciting moment about knowing that we were both Filipino, but it wasn't until they actually went to the Philippines that I understood deeper of what it meant. And I actually wanted to bring that out into my, my professional career. Um, and it was mostly for the fact that I could only name Apple the Black APs or Bruno or Illmind or Joe Coy of the people that I've interviewed over 20 years before I actually went to the Philippines. And so 
you know, it wasn't really um, a part of my identity. And I think I even shunned it in a little bit, you know, being mm-hmm. for 11 in heels, probably for 10 and a half for real. <laughs> when you walk into a boardroom, um, there is already an automatic assumption that you look like the intern, you know, mm-hmm. and that, uh, that you're not a strong leader because you are female, you are small, or you're a minority. So I think I hid that a lot of the time, you know, and then I would be eating, I wouldn't sit like Cheryl Sandberg said, I didn't lean into the table, there'd be a table of, of leaders, and they're sitting and I'm sitting on, on the outskirts when there's those extra chairs, and I'm eating like my baon or my pandasal, like kind of embarrassed, right. But as I grew into the leadership roles and I started appreciating my culture, now I'm bringing Valerios in for everybody or Lumpia during that. And I'm dominating our culture into those meetings. And now, you know, I'm a part of a Filipino company, so it's, it's part of it, but it it took me a long time, you know, and that's why I say that I, I want to help expedite that for the youth that are really trying to find themselves and and search for their identity right now um, and doing a lot of research of who they are (laughs) because it took me a long time, you know. Um, Would you say there's any particular event in your life or um, any sort of trigger that kind of made you flip the switch in your mind where you felt, okay, now it's appropriate for me to lean in and I need to like take up space here? Yeah, there was a couple of times, you know, um, and I think it was... Oh, it's 2004 when we launched myspace.com. Mm-hmm. I worked with Apple uh, of the Black Eyed Peas on the first Taglish uh, song, which was the Apple song. So we had mm-hmm. Chad Hugo, DJ Redmatic, um, Dante Bosco, this music video that's about a Filipino uh, veteran that goes from a young veteran to then growing up in the United States, now in a in an old folk in a in a senior citizen home, and and he he has his medals, but his family comes in and out of his life. And that's how a lot of Filipino veterans, you know, had felt. It was such a beautiful story written by Patricia Janelsa, who wrote the, the Lumpia movie. But it was that first spark where I realized, wow, we have, you know, we we stood outside TRL with signs for Vanessa Manillo to see it, you know. Um, <laughs> Vanessa Manillo. Yeah. And, and, and we were like, I think that was the first moment where I realized, like, my effect on popular culture. And when I put Bruno Mars on the homepage of myspace.com, as well as Far East Movement, who has DJ Verman in the group, and then they started exponentially growing, I started to see where that, that, that impact was and started, yeah, for sure, leaning in, but understanding not what it just meant for uh, like artists that we work with, but specifically artists of, for, for my community. Um, when it exponentially grew is when I, you know, 2016, after I had sold my company, my Divio, um, Apple invited a group of us uh, to the Philippines from with a sponsored trip from the Philippines Tourism Board. So myself, um, and he brought Will I Am from Black Eyed Peas, Joe Coy, Cassie, Leanne V, and executives from Netflix, Google, and YouTube. And we traveled the Philippines and I was 36, but that was my first time that I ever been there. So we went from Manila to Boracay to Cebu, Bohol. He showed us the schools he built with Google. And, you know, he's treated like the president there. There's no traffic for Apple. Like, it, it was amazing, you know. And, and, and um, to see the extreme poverty was also very sad to see people that look like my nieces and they're, you know, digging from the trash cans. Um, it was, it was heart, heartbreaking. And, I, and I, I started to think about, you know, my position and, 
in my career and the, 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 the luxury that I have to even sit in an executive office, but not owning up to it in my own identity, but shying away from my culture for what to assimilate for, for, for what, you know, mm -hmm. so all of that came through and, and seeing the 95 year old Lola's or the five-year-old kids singing the Apple song, which is a music video we worked on together. Uh, it's something dawned on me is like, wow, you, we have to create more apples in this world. Everybody needs that feeling wherever they are in the world. Um, when they turn on the TV or when they hear a song to know that somebody of their own that created, you know, that Manny Pacquiao, Jessica uh, Sanchez, American Idol moment where it's like, it's one of us, you know? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it took a, it took a, took a long time to get there. And I think, I mean, it's definitely been my purpose and my mission um, now, but, you know, through my 20, 20 year career, it, 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 it didn't hit until towards the end. And that's, that's where I sit now. This is where I am in the moment when you ask me where I'm at in the moment. <laughs> and that's why I'm so like uh, passionate about it and building a platform because there are no platforms. I've been that person. I've been, I've been the platform when we're like getting the pitches and there's no Filipinos that were coming in. And then I've also been on the other side where I'm trying to pitch to iHeartRadio or MTV and they don't they don't want to hear our artists because they hear they're Filipino or Bruno has to hide that he's Filipino because his record mm. label doesn't know how to market him, you know? So it's like, yeah, oh, breathe. <laughs> A lot to unpack here. I really appreciate that we have someone at the table, turning it upside its head, to feel like our identity is not worthy of the world, the world stage, not worthy of even taking a listen to give it a chance, is so disheartening for the youth. Right. For someone who's who's a storyteller myself, for so long I've had to tuck away like my identity and I didn't I didn't realize it I didn't you know I didn't know what I was doing but just even Thanksgiving dinner I decided to cook Thanksgiving dinner when I was 16 because I was ashamed that our food was not American enough so I learned how to cook a whole Thanksgiving dinner with like mac and cheese and a regular turkey and you know mashed potatoes. I would ask them too. I'm like, are we supposed to have rice and like giving a lot of Thanksgiving? Like, yeah. I don't see that in the this school book. The pilgrims didn't bring yeah. <laughs> <Legend> lunch. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like um, this year I was like, you know, f it. You know, I'm going to Filipino-fy Thanksgiving. I made a sinigang chicken. Uh, Sinigang crusted chicken. I made a chicken adobo gravy for the mashed potato. Like, just like little things, uh, little pockets of of life where even food to like how you look to what you want to do with your life, your career is so dictated by this Eurocentrism that makes us feel like our Filipino-ness is not enough when it is definitely enough. So... Oh, I mean, I could go deeper into that and I'm going to try to be not, not be emotional when I talk about this, but we work with a lot of brands, right? And we just mm -hmm. launched a campaign with McDonald's called Salamat Meals, where we're giving healthcare workers oh. art cards um, to just say thank you, right? 
because one out of every five healthcare workers, at least in California, are Filipino. So you're mm -hmm. telling me that when you're in a bed and you're suffering with COVID, as a nurse, I mean something to you. I'm your life thread, but I don't mean enough or I'm not recognizable to put on a TV show or in a commercial. So that's where it's like, no, we're here. We're right in front of you. So stop denying the visibility and right. bring that to what's happening, you know? So yeah, I, I, I hear you, but it's, it doesn't, it feel good. It's like, this is the time now. It's like, we're, we can be unapologetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I shout it loud and proud. I am Filipino and it took years and years of decolonizing my mind and just loving and embracing every part of myself, which is Filipino American, Filipino in this yeah. country. Yeah. Right. And we deserve as much space as we want here and yeah. everywhere. Yes, we do. Yes, yes we, we do. do. Yes, we do. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we could go into a whole like Filipino American versus the Philippines, mm -hmm. because again, remember, I only went when I was 36. So I've probably been five times since then and in a company now. So I'm working now and understanding the differences. Oh, you look at me a certain way because I don't speak the Galuk, you know? So mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of nuances. I cried probably three times and, and tried to resign three times because I was like, am I the right person? I'm sorry, I don't speak the Galuk. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that I don't want to not identify with myself, but my mom assimilated because she had to survive in this country but you're looking at me like mm -hmm. I don't appreciate my own culture. Right. You know, so it's like it, you go through all of these like, <laughs> what? Can, can we dive into that just a little <laughs> yeah, bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I feel like um, from my perspective, I get, at least growing up, I've received a lot of negative feedback from uh, extended family or like friends, uh, like parents of my friends who happen to be Filipino. And the feedback that I've gotten is like, why don't you speak Tagalog? I can understand it a little bit, but honestly, like over the years, it's been difficult for me to even want to learn because, you know, even if I try, it's like not good enough. So I'm curious, what was your experience? Or can you speak a little bit about maybe how you got over that? Or if you're still dealing with this idea of, you know, you're not really a Filipino if you don't speak yeah. a Filipino language. Um, well, there's an instance that there's a couple instances that happen and, and, and it would drive me crazy because I would go into meetings and in the Philippines specifically, they say Maruno Tagalog or Indica Maruno Tagalog. And I'm like, no, konti lang, but I'm learning, you know, and then you would see this look like, mm. you know, like, like it, it felt like a disappointment. And it, going through that day after day, I was like, really frustrated even a manager he he asked me something like um you know auto or how long are you going to be here at Tagalog for some reason I couldn't think of the word auto I you know I remembered it mm -hmm. but I didn't and so I didn't know how to answer him he said you know if you're working with a lot of Filipino talent you you, you should speak Tagalog and I remember getting on the plane and I was bawling you know and I was like no I want to learn but there's so many words you know, the, the jokes are funnier in Tagalog, right? I can kind of mm -hmm. understand, but I didn't speak it. Um, and one of our artists, uh, Inigo Pascual, um, his his dad is like the, I don't know, he's like the Brad Pitt of the Philippines, right? <laughs> <Pascual>. <laughs> um, and I was telling him the story and I was, you know, Inigo's like, I don't know, the Justin Bieber, Shawn Mendes of the country. And I was like, you know, 
I don't know why, but I, I feel like I get a look every time I, I say I don't speak Tagalog. And he goes, you're, you're taking it all wrong. It's because for them, you know, because I because they even call us nosebleeds, right? Because they said they get hemorrhages when they try to understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. For them, they get sad because they don't always know how to also fast communicate. They learned, you know, they learned English as a language, but they're thinking, okay, now it's going to be hard for me to communicate with her. So that's what you're seeing. It's not a disappointment. Uh, and then I I looked at it differently and I, I I saw, I was like, okay, there's there's two points of view where we're trying to communicate and understand one another, but there's both an insecurity in both sides. Uh, and it made me alleviate that a little bit better. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm really that. glad that we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. For I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of folks, but I don't want to like overgeneralize, but I'm sure <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who like you you just opened up their mind because they didn't realize the other side of this of the conversation is okay i just want to understand you better is really the sentiment or i want to be able to communicate with you better yeah there's a two sides of the story that we need to consider and now having listened to your experience and hearing the other side to it perhaps a weight has been lifted because yeah, I know I it's an insecurity for a lot of for a lot of Filipinos in America who don't speak Tagalog or um, any other language, and English is perhaps the only language that they speak. I think it's a, a huge insecurity when they're when they're communicating with friends and family who want to speak Tagalog or what else. Definitely, I mean, I even think like you know, there's there's times where I see some of my elders not laughing at certain jokes when there's mm. an accent involved right mm-hmm. because they feel like they're being made fun of and it yeah. you know their accent they if they could choose they wouldn't have an accent and then you have those uncles and those aunts that kind of talk like they're british like joe coy does it well because they're like mixing their like american accent with their Tagalog because they're also embarrassed because now they're being made fun of on a like right. a, a big scale and then also if you, you remember yellow rose there was two differences yeah. Leia Salonga and then there was princess right mm-hmm. so sometimes when our elders are talking to us it's kind of like a there's two ways oh you don't speak the Gaulic. oh your mom's not teaching you it because she's ashamed she should be instilling your culture in you or you know what i mean there's also a judgment there of like how far they think that you should be learning certain things like how to cook right how mm-hmm. to speak the Gaulic, how to do mono like you know, because they feel some traditions should pass on and some are like, no, let's, we're in America. Let's, you know, cut all that stuff out. So there, there's, it, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot that we think <sighs> is, we, we just personalize. Um, even my mom, you know, so my dad, he couldn't get a job when he, when he moved here from the Philippines. Um, he left uh, the Philippines knowing a lot of artistas and he was going to mm-hmm. like come to Hollywood as this TV producer, Right. And then he goes into Hollywood and he tries to get a job and nobody will hire him. He has this accent, can't really speak the Gallog. Like a lot of engineers, when they come here, they have to be janitors first before they get jobs, you know? But his pride got to him so much that he didn't even try anymore. Mm. And so when people would come from the Philippines, like the artistas, he would take them to Las Vegas, pretending he's this TV producer or Mm. high roller like he was in the Philippines. And then he started drinking a lot and he didn't even, he didn't want to be a janitor. He's a TV producer. He didn't want to work a nine to five, you know? And so then it got to a point where he got so depressed that he got, he went back to the Philippines. And then when you go back, it's like, oh, where's this hotshot Hollywood producer that we're supposed to have? 
then he became homeless and then just wound up passing away and like like his whole dream was shattered but he just didn't even want to try and that's sometimes the filipino male pride you know and then i understand okay that's why you don't want us to speak tagalog because you want us to get jobs you know so dang it, it took all of that to to unwrap a lot of that you know so i'm you know i know we're probably going to go over our hour i'm so sorry but that's no, just no, that's no. Fine. thank you there's so much to unpack and all of what you said is like amazing insight yeah a lot of folks out there listening right now will treasure the insight that you're providing because it's validating their feelings and giving context to situations that they perhaps don't really have the language to you know like name what the situation is to articulate and they don't yeah. you know filipino parents they, they they don't speak on emotion they're not gonna tell you you know what i mean like when you watch mm -hmm. the debut right with dante bosco and you, what he goes through mm -hmm. with his dad that's what probably every parent goes through you know so, so a long time because i thought my mom didn't want me to be in entertainment because she was selfish and she didn't understand my dream until i go to the philippines and i hear the real story i'm like oh of course you don't want my heart to break when if it doesn't work out because you've never seen anybody succeed in it and it like turned my whole appreciation for my mom around you know like a lot of the times we were so like mad at our parents because but they're really they're just you know they're they want us to succeed and they don't want us to you know have to go back or struggle you know um yeah and it it, it takes a lot of I, I talk to a lot of college students right now and they don't understand that i joke that our generation right mm -hmm. our kids are going to be like i wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer but my mom may be a, be a dj or like a dancer <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't do it so we're like pushing our dreams <laughs> it's like this reverse effect. so funny <laughs> like she made me she made me be a jabberwocky and i just wanted to be a doctor <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious imagine that's that's probably what's gonna happen <laughs> and if i ever have oh, if man. i ever have kids i feel like i'm gonna be that stage mom like what was that performance? We need to go back to the rehearsal room. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Do, do it, it again. again. Do, it, do again. it again. Do it right this time. <laughs> what is your talent? Tell us what your talent is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone. We're going to continue this wonderful conversation in just a bit. We'll be back. We're going to take a break. See you in a bit. harmonize nor sing like how crystal and dustin do but we try i'm greg i'm mccoy i'm d and we're Gamchat. we're three gay films discussing topics from culture to lgbtq identity politics current events we're just trying to make sense of anything and everything in the world today like did my mom just like an all lives matter post on facebook or how do i tell tita baby stop calling me tabachoy or kinks and heartbreaks so like a typical tuesday for you no no every first and third wednesday awkward all right find us wherever you listen to your podcast we're back okay so rosalind what have been some of the biggest challenges for you in your career trajectory 
Uh, in my career trajectory, I think we, we talked about it briefly was, you know, just, um, you know, leaning into to 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 my leadership, you know, um, as well as uh, being a micromanager, you know, I'll give you a task and I'll ask you an hour later. Did you do it? Uh, two hours later. Did you do it? OK, never mind. <laughs> I'll do it. And that's the worst kind of leader because because the 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 person working for you feels less empowered because they think you're always going to take their work from you. So I think in, in my career, I've always had that moment of like, you know, um, just just wanting to do everything and, and anything and, and, and having a hard time in, in, in delegating um, and, 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 and trusting. You know, I've been through a lot of situations where I've trusted business partners. I've trusted um, leaders and they've taken credit for my work. They've taken money. You know, there's, there's a lot of that that goes on, um, you know, and especially as a woman, you know, you walk the boundary where you want to be authoritative, but then you mm -hmm. don't want to be called the B word, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, there, there's a thin line between those as well. Um, and being too nice, and then getting also taken advantage of. So in in, in far of, in terms of career advancement, I think early on in my career, I would always get sad because there were people that would get promoted above me, you know, and uh, they didn't necessarily produce the results that I did. Like for example, at MySpace, you know, I helped launch it. You know, we I was the first person to write the go-to-market go artist strategy. We grew to millions of artists. Hip hop was the number one with 2 million. We were the number one website in the world, you know, even before Google. But they, when they relaunched and they sold to new investors, they hired somebody above me that was of Caucasian skin that had experience at a, as an SVP and an Ivy League marketing degree. Mm -hmm. um and it was just a piece of paper and it was just the color of somebody's skin and where people feel more comfortable if they're talking on behalf of the company and he wound up failing the company completely and we had to go back to my strategy you know so uh, so going through a lot of that but then realizing my own self like why wasn't I promoted that way oh it's because I don't I need to learn how to do a PowerPoint. I need, I need to learn like <laughs> business things that I didn't, that, that I didn't know, um, you know, and then, and then grow to be confident, grow to be confident in my UC to a JC to a Cal State, you know, life. And just know that um, my own value and everybody's own value is beyond their title and beyond their company. Because if you, you think that, and when you don't get that title or that you know, you don't get that job, you, you, you start to lose confidence in yourself or you lose a job. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's been a lot of um, career hurdles, but I, I would say those were the top. Hmm. Man. Yeah. What would you say is the key of finding that balance when you're in this environment where you need to be the balance of nice, but assertive or, you know, all these things you need to balance as a Filipino woman in, in this kind of space. Yeah. Or is there a balance? Or is there a balance? I'm still trying to find the balance. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we're all we're always trying to find that that balance, you know, because even especially with, with companies, you become best friends with your colleagues and your, you know, your, your employees. And so there's a comfortability that's built. I think what has helped me is not see everybody for our, our titles or our roles, but our common mission and vision, 
mm-hmm. and purpose and make sure that we understand that. So we work as a team and there, mm-hmm. you know, because especially in Filipino culture, there's a lot of crab mentality. There's a lot of, um, uh, need to feel for recognition for, for certain things, or they won't validate an idea or credit if they didn't come up with it or somebody else is going to get the credit. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's all, there's an adjustment there. I think the balance is working as a team and, you know, you know, not, not thinking of gender, but necessarily thinking of like, okay, what can we do to make this work all together? And then, you know, definitely putting your foot down when something is wrong. I've had to do a snapback when I get an email and somebody says something or or texts back. I said, you wouldn't say that to a male counterpart. So don't say that to me, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, but you have to, otherwise you're just gonna, you know, the people are gonna run all over you. And the Filipina in us is like, okay, Uh run over us. Here's some food, you know, like (laughs) take my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's we're so ingrained in that, you know, that mentality. And hey, everyone, Roslyn is giving us the go to snap back if we need to. Okay, <laughs> because yes, snap we back, need to. Snap back. I think it's just demand your respect and your and mm-hmm. your time. You know, right? It, it, it that that's just it. You it, there's some people that when they walk in a room, they command it. And there's some people like myself who have to study on the weekends, trying to figure out of like all these master classes and to learn that. But you know, once you do it, and then once you have that, um, once you once once people know that and respect that about you, that it'll it'll just be there because they understand your vision, mission, and purpose. They don't feel like you're 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 wanting the 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 goal to be completed. You're like a coach. You know, you're not a threat. I think that's what happens a lot of the times, especially with female to female or in a female environment, a lot of people feel threatened, um, you know, for their own jobs or for what people are saying, especially coming from a chismis culture, what people are doing, you know, like, so, um, yeah, I mean, we, that, that's a whole other episode, but for sure, <laughs> there's a balance, <laughs> chismis culture. <laughs> I love it and I hate it at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, don't you smiss me. What's the latest you smiss? <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. So you've accomplished so much in your career already. You've been named one of Billboard's, Billboard Magazine's top 30 music industry professionals. You were featured in the Source Magazine's Power 30. You're featured in Forbes as a co-founder and chief marketing officer of MyDivio. Wow, a powerhouse. There's plenty to powerhouse. be powerhouse. Um, what's one of the most special career highlights for you? Or is there any specific moment in the work you've done that stands out as particularly memorable? Oh, I'm so glad my publicist sent you those, uh, <laughs> those bullet points. And you guys know that. Thank you. I barely made it to the billboard 30 under 30. I was 29 years old and six months. So I had four months and I had been trying and like, ah, I'm so glad that that happened. But you know, the, for for those, it's because those are mainstream outlets, and you rarely see a woman there, yet alone a person of color, yet alone Asian, yet alone even a, a Filipina. You know, growing up, 
there was only one Filipina in the music industry, Rona Mercado, who's also now the senior vice president of Cashmere Agency, who helped launch with you know Snoop Dogg's company and et cetera. She's amazing. You should interview her one day. But um, you know, it's it's always an honor to to be on 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 those lists. Like the source, it was Diddy and Russell Simmons, and then Billboard magazine was Daniel Ek, the father, the founder of Spotify, or Justin Bieber's manager, Scooter Braun. So to see my name in there, it feels like it feels like who did I pay to to put that? Because <laughs> that's amazing, right? Like, like so. So that's definitely a career highlight. But it, I'll always say it whenever I work with an artist, and I could feel it. You know, we're starting out as a DJ in elementary school and then being one in, in high school and college. Um, I could feel it. You know, like when you meet an artist and you hear the music, you see them perform, you could see where they're going to be in five to 10 years. And with Justin Bieber, yeah. with Bruno, with Drake, Kendrick Lamar, like that predictability, it, it and, and to be a part of that beginning moment and then seeing it happen and then being at the sold out arena for Drake or Bieber when I was that first interview and they didn't even know how to do an interview, it's still, <sighs> it's still probably the, the best feeling. And now, you know, working with the, the, these talents from the Philippines, you know, that have never performed in the United States, that have never done an, an, uh, an interview on a terrestrial radio station or TV, you know, they're doing morning TV here in the States and getting um, different countries on their Spotify now. It's like, or Inigo, you know, we, he was in Joe Coy's Netflix special. Kiana V, we worked on it where she was able to do, um, be a part of the 88 Rising EP and now their festival. Like, I see where that's where it's going to be in five to 10 years. And it's so amazing to know when it's our own, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's like being a mom and, and them going through their challenges, but you're like, don't worry. I know where you're going to be just as long as you keep it where you're at and you keep your talent and you don't start changing for anyone, then, you know, there, there's going to be more Brunos, you know, we already see it. There's sweetie, there's her, there's Pilo, you know, like, yeah, that's my favorite moment because I've crossed a point and seen successes that were out of this world that I can, I don't think anything is far-fetched. You know, yeah. I came from a room when 15 people had an idea of creating myspace.com and it became the number one website in the world. Justin Bieber, this little kid with his mom in the office to being Grammy nominated, you know? So when someone tells me their dream or their story, I'm not like, what? I'm like, it could happen, you know? What you feel, your all of your feelings of like being there for somebody's start of their career, that's how I feel when I work with Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I see. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, isn't that crazy? It just takes the right pair of eyes and you never know when it will happen to see that. And, you know, I always tell artists, if there's one person in the room or a thousand, just bring that same energy. Um, and luckily, Filipinos are the most talented people in the world. Also said by Randy Jackson of American Idol. So, <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to Randy Jackson. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he sat in that chair and seen a lot of Filipinos come through America's Best Dance Crew and American Idol. So he knows. But, you know, even when I see other genres pop up, like K-pop or whatever, I'm like, we're going to have our time. And, it, and, it, and it's coming. And I think, so being able to experience that through these other artists, 
having that same feeling, but they're people of our own culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I can already see that. And that's probably the, the most exciting feeling in, in my career that I could ever have. Had I not gone through that, had I never worked at MySpace, I would, I would be like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try, but I, I don't, I don't. Who knows? Not a lot of artists make it, you know. Good like, luck. Like, but I'm like, no, we got this. Sing how you sing, dance how you dance. Well, the right person will hear it, and it's gonna happen because it. I've seen it happen numerous times, and for people that are, are, some of them aren't even as talented as you are. So, that I think that is my career highlight um, as well. You know, this is just is that point, that moment, and then when I got to speak at Walnut High School. Mm -hmm. Going back to your high school where all of those dreams were just dreams and speaking to kids that go there um, and getting to flash a picture or video of myself and Drake or, or Bieber or Rihanna only because they weren't, they won't really listen, right? They're like, well, who's this 411 Filipino girl? But they see the mm -hmm. photo, they're like, she went to Walnut? She came from here and she did that? She was hosting the Grammys? I could do that. So that is like, that's when it makes sense. It's like, okay, I had this career, not for all that, but for, for these moments for the future, you know? I love this. So much support going around. Yeah, for sure. And to have like, to feel that support from people, I think, especially in our community is so so important and when you talk about crab mentality i just i want that to chew away because uh knowing how challenging so many industries are i think that we really need to band together if like you're not in the mainstream like we still need to acknowledge the folks who are not in the mainstreams and push them to the mainstream if that's what they want you know but just support and know that there's space for everybody. And I think that, you know, our generation, I think your generation, because, you know, I'm, I'm a couple decades probably older than you. No, 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 no. We're probably only a couple years off. But I think we figured it out. You know, I think we're like, you know, strength in numbers, you know, so I think, um, and then weed the bad out and keep the good uh, together. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're, we're, we're figuring that out. And we're, and I, I always wonder if I should talk about that, um, the, the crab, the crab mentality thing and, and feel like, oh, well, is, that's something that's taboo in our culture. But like, the more we call it out, the more we're going to talk about it. And it can't happen because <laughs> we're talking about it, you know, um, and I, I've been through those times. I've been through those times where people are saying something about somebody and they want to put down somebody's success because, you know, they were jealous of it or they, they you know, it's crazy in the comments, like when you see Twitter feeds and a certain artist will get booked for a festival and it's usually Filipinos um, and, and in the Philippines or throughout the world are like, why did this person get picked? This person get a pick, look at this. And then you see the, the comments from the rest of the world and they're all positive. It's like, but that's our own like weird colonization type of like, mm -hmm. you know, mm. battle of like, why can't we just be happy that this artist is on this huge festival? Why are we in the comments talking about another artist should have been on this festival you know what i mean like yeah what makes us even feel like we have to do that like there's something deeper within ourselves and we do it in our families like look mm -hmm. at that dress oh did you hear what your tita said blah 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 you know so we have to cut it out at home before it it, it, it 
if we cut it out completely, but it, it, I think it's starting. Yeah. Have you experienced that personally, maybe in a professional setting where maybe somebody's like bashing you? Yeah. How did you get over that? Or how did you manage to navigate that situation? I got my very first mean DM ever. Um, <gasps> Somebody DM'd oh. you just to be a basher? How rude. Yes, oh. I got my first basher. So um, I was at, uh, I was producing uh, <laughs> Black History Month. Like, look at the, look at the, look at the, um, the funniness about that. I was producing Black History Month night at LA Clippers. And I mm-hmm. looked at my DMs and somebody said, you have the worst Instagram ever. Imagine if everybody just promoted their own ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it. I was like, okay. And like, cause a lot of my friends do. They joke. They're like, you have like the, um, the, uh, what is it called? I'm sorry. That's like so <laughs> random. <laughs> that's just like the weirdest critique. <laughs> I was picturing anything but that. Oh, really? You're like, so I thought it was weird. about your hair, my fault, my big old. No, it was about me posting too much about Filipinos. And I was like, uh, what's the site that they always post current news? Like Baller Alert or um, the Shade Room. They're like, it's like the Filipino Shade Room, right? And, you know, it is different for because imagine my, my social media went from showing you know like promoting justin or drake and now it's like indigo filipino food filipino event <laughs> apple alasa you know so for somebody to say that i got so sad and i was like and i looked at it and it only it, there was no followers and so then somebody created that account just to tell me that oh my gosh oh, i made a whole video and it's like I mean, they're like, you can't react, but I was just like, what if people did? What if people were proud of who they were? And what if we learned about the greatness in all cultures? Unfollow me if you don't want to know who the Filipino basketball player is now. And like, it's okay. It's not made for you. I get it. That must be annoying. You, you don't want to know that her won a Grammy again. Like, but it's like, and I was like, that was the, that was a, my first mean DM ever. And it was like, but I know that person, I was like, like that it's probably somebody in my life, you know, like who takes probably. the time to If they had that. to make, if they yeah. had to take the time to make an account, it, it might've been. Oh, I'll tell you that about bashers though. Uh, the Some of the bashers are the number one fans of the artist and they like getting the attention and like causing an emotion. <sighs> Isn't that weird? So across the board from like, any pop artists, some of their, the people that are writing the mean stuff are the fans. Cause they like, it's, it, it, imagine seeing your, your, your biggest idol and they're reacting to something and you know, you did it. Cause they're not paying attention to you when you're like, hi, I'm number one fan. <laughs> I love you. But when you're like, why did you wear that shirt? Or you're not as good as Sean Mendes. Like you're going to react. So <laughs> badgers are really secretly fans because if oh, you gosh. take the time to do that to bash you must you know really care about you're paying attention yeah paying yeah attention. you know what's going on you know what's mm-hmm. going on <laughs> for you to sit there um and i had to tell like our artists that too is like to remember that because you know a lot of people you especially the mean ones you want to oh, like imagine me just trying to snap back at work i can't imagine having 10 million followers and like trying to not snap back at every comment you know but Mm -hmm. that's yeah 
And that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can look back and like laugh about it now. Because <laughs> I can imagine in the moment it's like, what the hell? This is effed up. I was so mad because I, I blocked them. And and then I was I was telling my friends about it. <laughs> like, because I wanted to talk to them on the phone and get their opinion. Like, well, so what do you think that I post? <laughs> and they're like, stop. Who cares? <laughs> I was like, I want to know. I was like, I want to bring them on a live stream. What do they, you know, Let's tell talk. me. Let's talk. What, Let's es- talk what ethnicity out. are you? You know, why do you feel threatened by my 100 posts about Filipino greatness? <laughs> why does it offend you? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so I'm. It sounds like you're doing better with the bashers these days, and you have a plan or a strategy to have a strategy to at least deal with them. So, and yeah. at least you know that once you get a basher, that means you've made it. Oh. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> my my Filipino wokeness posts are getting viral. That <laughs> the bashers are coming. Um, yeah. No, I def. I definitely. Uh, I think because anytime you know, and it's hard to when I'm speaking about mix or what we want to do and second gen of course there's going to be people that are coming out of the woodworks and say like i've been trying to do that for 30 years nice try you know or like you know i did this and i did that it's not gonna work you know that there's also that type of bashing as well you know um and so you have to just hold your head high and then again i remember like i thought myspace.com i was just gonna use it to promote my underground hip-hop radio show i didn't know it would be 10 years of my life and be the number one website in the world. So saying something like that, I don't think anything's not possible. And so when I do get negative statements or, you know, you just have to remember a lot of people's negativities because they don't believe that they could do it or they haven't seen somebody that could do it. So when you actually witness that and you see, oh, that's sad, it's your, your insecurity. So that's why you're, you're saying something. It, it took me to understand that. Because before you think that they're just going straight at you or they're being negative and, you know, but no, a lot of it is just, it's just, it's just personal, you know? Yeah. I, I love that you're aware enough to be able to step back and like analyze the situation and think, it's not me. It's you. That's your personal <laughs> issue. It's you. <laughs> you got issues to deal with. That's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> Liberate it's your... you. Yeah. It's you. Liberation. 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 I don't need. If you're still following me and you get a post every day about a Filipino and you, it irks you so bad, that's your fault. You haven't unfollowed me. That's not my fault. <laughs> I want to take you back in time. So looking back at little Rosalind when you were a child, think back to that moment when you decided you wanted to make that leap into music and the entertainment industry. What advice would you give to little Rosalind in that moment? I haven't grown, so I'm still the same size. Right, <laughs> I'm still a little Rosalind. You're still a little Rosalind. Um, but it happened to me again. So I was, I start, I, I love music my whole life. I was a DJ in elementary school, and I enrolled into UCI to study political science because my mom wanted me to be a lawyer, and I wanted to be a lawyer for my mom. Mm-hmm. My first uh, few months in college, I was like, wait, nobody takes attendance. You don't have to be here. So I would like not go to class, right? Cool. That was me yeah. too. I was like, 
I was like a straight, like straight arrow student in high school. And when huh. I took my first class in college and they didn't take attendance, I was like, what the hell? All right, peace, <laughs> bye. Exactly. And I'm going to the record shop and and I hated going to class. I, I mean, I was getting okay grades, but you know, yeah, you go from an A student to being like a C or B, you know? And I talked to a guidance counselor and I was like, like, oh, I, I think I was getting a really bad grade. I was like, gonna get a, like a low C. I was like, I hate this. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, do you I, remember what class that was? <laughs> uh, it, was it was political science. It was only my okay. first year. And this is why I tell two college students, I was like, don't choose your major in your first year. And mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because a lot of us go into it of what our families are doing or what our friends are doing. And it's like, you, you still need that time to figure it out, right? And I was crying and I was like, I hate it. I don't want to go to class and I don't know what to do. And she's like, what would you do right now if you weren't worried about what your friends thought, what your family thought, and you had all the money in the world, so you weren't worried about paying back loans? Because that's where your passion or your purpose is, you know? Because I thought I was like the worst college student ever. I'm like, I lost my drive in life. You know, am I going to be homeless? Like, am I going to be my dad? Like, like, what's going on? And she, and um. And then so she said that and then so that summer I went home and I was watching a, a music channel and they had an audition to be a VJ and I've always wanted to be a VJ right I was like oh man that's the coolest job ever you just talk about music videos and interview artists so I went to this audition and um you know I drove all the way from Walnut to to LA stood in eight hours and uh at the audition and I made it to the top 10 the casting agent when I was going to read my lines again she's like how tall are you and I said 4'11 on a good day with heels but probably 4'10 and a half and she starts laughing she's like what are you gonna do like on the red carpet hold the microphone like this and she's like you're too short you'll never be on television sorry honey you should try radio though you have a good personality Ooh. and so I drove back and it's stupid traffic from like LA to Walnut Chino in <laughs> like, like three hours, right? Like, ah, why did I think I can make this dream? Why did I think that I can align it, you know? Um, and there was no internet at the time, but she, I remember crying and like even turning off the radio because I was like, I hate music, stupid music, make me think I could have a music career, you know? And then I remember her saying, you should try radio, you should try radio. And I turned up the volume and then I heard the radio host speak I think it was like Nautica De La Cruz. She had an amazing voice. So I was like, wow, I'm going to try radio. And so I searched everywhere of where I could get a radio show. Just I was like, maybe I'll just try it out, you know, for the summer. And at Mount Sac, this beautiful junior college on Grand <laughs> um, in yeah. Walnut, they have a radio station with a one mile radius called KSAC 90.1 FM. And I went there and I said, I want a radio show just for the summer. And they said, well, you have to register for radio broadcasting classes. We can't just give you a, a show. So that summer I took radio broadcasting. I loved it. I was like, they're teaching you how to get a job in radio. They're teaching how to produce a show. I'm like, this is college. Shoot, I love this. Like, and I was the first <laughs> one there, the last one there. You know? um, and and then I realized that I, I wanted to, to, to do that and I wanted to pursue that. And I made the mistake of talking to my mom <laughs> and telling her I wanted to go from a UC to a JC to start an underground hip hop radio show. And she was so disappointed, you know, and she said, okay, like, but Bahalana, you're going to pay for it though, because your, your first student loan was for UCI. And so I had to get a job at back at my high school, 
uh, 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 job, which was the Athletes Food in West Covina Mall. And I made like five thirty-five an hour. And um, I would go to class. I would have the radio show from seven to ten. I was exhausted. Um, I was going out at night to get to get to get to meet people like the Black Eyed Peas or you know most deaf to get them to be interviewed on this tiny radio station. But I loved every minute of it. You know, I was broker than broke, but I was doing something that I loved, and that was the moment I was like. I knew it, you know, and, and if you talk to little Rosalind, she knew that at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen, 10, 13, right? So if I were to talk to her, it was like, just, just stick with that. You already know. Why are you wearing these other hats for other people? This mm-hmm. is why that, that's going to make you sad, you know, like, like, don't worry about how much money you're going to make. Worry about what's going to make you happy. What would you rather be? happy Mm. or you know and that's and I am 40 now so I know a lot of friends and they're they hate their careers or their jobs because they never took the time to really find something that they loved or were passionate about or purposeful and I said it's okay you can you can still be a doctor but if you're a nurse then go sing with the choir on the weekends it's okay live out that because it's gonna eat you alive Mm. for the rest of your life and I'm so glad I figured that out um before I graduated, because if I went through four years of like barely making it, never going to class and just ditching because I hated it so much, like I would have hated my life, but I was exhausted and I loved it. And I was at a JC and then I went to Cal State and it was so much fun doing this hip hop radio show. And it became one of the top ones in LA and, and, you know, met people like Black Eyed Peas who took me, Apple took me to the Philippines and changed my life, you know, so who knew that would all happen? Um, but it was written before I, you know, I stepped into it. It was the law of attraction and, and manifestation. She did it, y'all. She did it. She, she, did she it. freaking did it. Okay. She freaking did it. <laughs> she... <laughs> Just a queen. It's just, just, you know, it's, 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 it's really so wonderful to hear that. And I know that the listeners are going to, someone needed to hear that, to, to hear that you, in a way, you led with love because you, you knew what you loved and you leaned into it. And that's what led you. And now you're here in this space as someone that we can look up to and, know that our dreams can be realized and nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. I'm all the way up. But yeah, now I am being interviewed on me search because I went through that. And if I didn't, you know, but all of that brought you here. All of that brought moment. me to here. December 3rd. Um, but I think there's two things in that is like, because people are always shamed to have side hustles, you know, and they don't want to talk about it. And they feel like, oh, I'm not really a, an actress or a singer because I'm not in a movie yet. And I'm like, when is that definitive point for you then? Mm-hmm. You know, you are that. It's okay. You can be a nurse and an actress at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we can multitask. We get shit done. That's what we are. We're Filipino. We can do like 20 things. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Like. <laughs> It, yeah. It's okay to not to define yourself as what you want to be. You don't have to wait until a certain point to to choose that what you what you want. I think 
that's the, that's that's for sure um you know something that i learned not until i got older but i can uh, hear a collective sigh of relief yeah. from everyone listening <laughs> to this episode <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, it was, it was hard. It took a lot of years of, 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 of hard work and that ca- that came again twice of like, you know, when I did wake up at, at in 2016 and we sold their company. Um, and then I thought about that again, I, I, cause I was hating, you know, I, I started this company, but I wasn't really loving it. It wasn't music. It was video resumes. And so I went through that process again of like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't love this. And I had to, I had to go to the Philippines to find out what I really loved, you know? So um, you're going to go through that a lot of times. It's not just once, like every day we're, we're searching for what makes us happy and why we're here. And the best feeling in the world is when, when you can align the two, you know? Yeah. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And can you tell me why you're being, why you're so fantastic right now? Well, it's because I've been listening to this really cool podcast. It's called Me Search. Uh, Me Search. Mmm. Tell me more. Um. You know, we've well, <laughs> not, <laughs> not much to tell you since you've been there, but. <laughs> You're listening to Me Search, a podcast featuring Philan perspectives. Let us know what you think. Rate us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Catch new episodes on the first and third Wednesday each month. <laughs> well, I'll have to catch it, meaning I'll listen to our own episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything exciting that you're working on at ABS-CBN that we should be looking out for? Yeah, there's a lot of things. Of course, we talked about the artists and the talent that we're releasing, you know, but there's so many amazing projects that are coming out from Filipino creators. Guap Dead 4000 and Illmind, they have an amazing album coming out. Uh, AJ Raphael is producing a show with Josh De La Cruz, who is the Blues Clues. Oh, wow. Filipino, Dante Bosco, <laughs> Kathy Aang, called Crazy Talented Asians. Um, we're continuing to do fundraising on Twitch where uh, we do 16 hour, like long fundraisers. And, you know, we've raised close to a million pesos on that. So the second generation donating and participating in that is, is always exciting. Um, but also the, the mixed platforms, you know, we're going to grow to be one of the biggest in the world, you know, especially merging with mixed Philippines because, you know, they have 8 million on their Facebook, they have 1.2 million on their YouTube. So the mixed US and mixed Philippines coming together and being this mixed global music brand for the second gen, because there's only MTV, BET, and then now we're gonna have mix. So um, the future is, you know, people like yourself, Dustin or Crystal, that are gonna be like elevating and, and taking it to the next level. And that's what I'm excited about is, is people gaining confidence because visibility created that credibility within our own community. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm, it's happening already. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful there's podcasts like yourselves to tell stories like, you know, a lot of great people behind the scenes, like a Rose and, and a Jen, uh, who are amazing women, you know, we need to keep hearing and, and sharing each other's stories and our, 
not not just the good stuff, you know, not the headlines, but all this stuff in between that you guys uncover here is, is what we need to hear. Thank you. <laughs> uh, finger snaps. Finger, finger snaps. snaps. <laughs> so how can how can the folks at home learn more about you and your work with Mix Global? So the, there's two there's two ways. Of course, there's the company. You go to mix.global. So it's spelled M-Y-X dot global. Uh, mix is really about being generation mixed because we're all mixed. Even Filipinos, we're just a mix of all this greatness. Mix.global and then all uh, on all our social media. And then me personally, it's Rosalind C, R-O-S-L-Y-N-N-C dot com. And then on social media everywhere, uh, Rosalind C. Um, hopefully anytime you see something Filipino that's of greatness, you think of our network, um, you know, and our, our families grew up to the Filipino channel and grew up with ABS-CBN, but now, you know, we have one another in our community that we're building the strength and the platforms for us to, to grow from. So hopefully that will that'll continue. And I want to hear everybody else's stories. Tag me. Um, DM me, but nothing mean. Yeah. <laughs> Your Instagram's weird. <laughs> We're ready to go. <laughs> Why are you posting about this Filipino podcast? You want us to listen now? Not just photos, but freaking listen to an eight-hour interview about being Filipino with two other Filipinos? Hate us. We welcome it. We welcome it. How dare you guys create a podcast about being Filipino? Wow. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Oh, this was so fun. I, I can't I can't wait to get hate mail. <laughs> yeah. We're waiting for it. Waiting for the day. Send me a DM. Tell me how much you hate me. <laughs> okay. Rosalind, final question for you. What has put a smile on your face lately? Oh, what's been a, a, a smile on my face re recently was, ah, why do you talk and I get emotional? Okay. What's put a smile on my face <laughs> is um, everybody that's come together online through these platforms like Kumu, the number one live stream app for Filipinos worldwide that was made by Filipino Americans with 6 million in funding and then brought to the Philippines to create all these jobs. So a lot of these Filipinos across the world are live streaming. Um, and all these Filipino DJs on Twitch now. So people don't, we know in our community, but we've really built the DJ culture down from DJ Cubert to DJ Eman at Power 106. You know, we're heavily involved in the music scene when it comes to DJs. We break music, we break artists, right? During the pandemic, a lot of the DJs, including people in entertainment, got depressed because imagine you're DJing every week for hundreds of people or a couple people or whatever it is, but you're getting that dopamine shot, right? So what happens in pandemic when you don't have that anymore? Mm. And now your income is taken away and you're in entertainment. So it's like, you know, you're not considered like a frontline worker. You're like, you're, you're probably the last, right? That we care. We don't care about the DJ getting their job back. We care about, you know, the, the healthcare workers, et cetera. So for them to rally together to build this community on Twitch, you know, we've done these 16-hour raids every Saturday with these Filipino DJs raising money for people in the Philippines that have suffered through the typhoons. Um, what may put a smile to my face because 
when they DJ, they get messages from people saying, you know, they they're going through COVID or they're suicidal, but, you know, going online and seeing a DJ play music and getting to chat with them or, um, you know, somebody just died of COVID, but feeling a sense of community because we're all in these matrix boxes right now. Um, seeing them take the time to do like a fundraising effort and then people that don't have jobs that have minimum wage jobs, they literally said, okay, I'm only gonna donate $2 because I only have $20 in my bank account. But for them to even take the step to do that for people in the Philippines that they've never met before, like, oh, talk about like, smiling like my heart is like jumping out so much that I'm not smiling I'm crying because it makes me so emotional but um our community is known for being resilient you know and I think we're learning that we can't just be resilient we have to be preventative um to these calamities but most important is like we we always come together you know we always want to give back you don't, we're not really selfish, you know, we're, we're loving people. And um, that side is also showing, you know, our foundation, the ABS-CBN foundation has run, has raised millions of dollars, you know, over the years for these typhoons, but to see this generation do it, that may, that may have never donated before, that may have never DJed with a purpose. A lot of these DJs were like, wow, this means more to me than doing bottle service at a lake <laughs> at a Las Vegas club with like all these artists. It's like I'm doing something. Um now I'm on TFC and my parents see me and they 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 recognize that I'm doing something. <laughs> so like just just that brings a smile to my face. It's like there's there's faith in humanity. You know, we're gonna get through this. It's, there's days I wake up, I'm like, oh, when is this gonna be over? Hmm. But we can go online and at any time and feel that sense of community. And specifically with Filipinos who we thrive on community and making people feel um, a part of something, even if you're not Filipino, you know, we're the best DJs in the world. We're the most talented people in the world. We're the best podcasts hosters in the world. <laughs> so. Hey, yes, we are. Yes, Thanks. We are. Thanks. <laughs> I hope Thanks. I meet you guys outside of the Matrix one day. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It was such an honor and a pleasure and really a wonderful, maybe one of my favorite conversations I've had in a very, very long time. Um, oh, my gosh. Be because, okay, no, but all we love our other guests, too. Sorry, <laughs> oh <my God. Wait. laughs> <Our> guests. <laughs> Wait till next week when she says that again. It's okay. So we'll remove it from the podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll DM you all how much we hate you. Okay. Off the record. Off the record. Off the record. <laughs> y'all, this was Roslyn Alba Koborubias. Woo! Well, how lucky are we that we get to speak to someone in a leadership role in such a global platform? Right. I'm seriously blown away. This was amazing. Can we please rehash some of the nuggets of gold in this interview? Because yeah. absolutely. What are your takeaways, sir? Yeah, so... What blows my mind the most is not necessarily that Rosalind is such a visible presence on a world stage, 
she's a recognized leader in a well-known conglomerate around the world, mm-hmm. ABS-CBN. Yeah. And it's it's not that. What blows my mind is that she has roots where you and I have roots, Crystal. Mm-hmm. So she dropped mm-hmm. uh, cities and schools that we're really familiar with. So UC Irvine, Mount Sac, CSU Fullerton. Walnut, Chino. Mm-hmm. These are our stomping grounds. We have friends <laughs> and family in these areas. Yeah. Right? So to know that a Filipino, a fellow Filipino with a history in what we call home is out there doing it, it, it really makes me believe that someone in my community mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even the two of us maybe have the tools to really make widespread, even global impacts. Yeah, we absolutely can. I, I I believe it. She is a a beacon of light for that. And it's it's interesting when we talk about Rosalind's global impact. And maybe we really want to consider that she attributes her success to the law of attraction. Uh shout out to to Patty once shout again. Out to Patty. Because he is a big believer in the law of attraction. For, for folks who don't know about the law of attraction, it's pretty much the belief that positive thoughts lead to positive life experiences. You get what you manifest, right? You get what you, you think and focus on. So, you know, it, it's possible to manifest these things that we might not believe are possible. Patrick tells me this all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love, I love, love, love that she's trying to learn more about this. And and she wants to incorporate, of course, like her experience with this, her personal experience and her the steps that, you know, she took. And she wants to pass on her wisdom to to others specifically to help folks expedite the process of owning their identity and their dreams, Mm -hmm. which I think is great because it would, it would be awesome to have a little bit of a blueprint. Right. Right. Um, So any, any other thoughts? Yeah. One, one of the other moments that really stood out for me in this interview was when we talked about language and accents, Mm -hmm. because I know for me how I speak and how I sound when I speak, that was such an insecurity growing up especially around older Filipinos. Mm-hmm. Like like Rosalind, I only ever spoke English as a kid. So I have mixed emotions about not learning Tagalog as a child because the impact that has on me as an adult mm. is, is that it affects the relationships that I have with my family mm-hmm. and the level of acceptance that I feel when I interact with other Filipinos. So I appreciated Rosalind's perspective and, and that story because there was a reason why her mother really pushed her to assimilate. And it it had more to do with the family experience with employability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And likewise, Rosalind encouraged us as English speakers to empathize with Filipinos who might visibly be disappointed that you don't speak yeah. their Filipino language. So there, there may be feelings of frustration because of the communication barrier as, to, as opposed to a perceived lack of respect in Filipino mm-hmm, culture. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we don't respect Filipinos and the language. It's not that they think that we disrespect mm-hmm. uh, Filipinos or the Filipino language, languages. It's that they really want to communicate with us. They want to be able to communicate with us 
effectively and efficiently. And that's not always the case when both individuals don't speak the same language, the same proficiency. Yeah, and I think that's something that we don't often think too much about, like our accent as Filipinos and what that is. And yeah, like, right. I don't think we think about the issues of how far our assimilation runs deep and how real it is, right? Mm-hmm. And it affects how we look at each other over here in, in the U.S. And, and even folks in the Philippines. And there is an insecurity on both sides now that, you know, Rosalyn, you know, she she brought this up. And, and I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that, like, that's the case for everybody, but that's a really great point. And at the end of the day, we all have Filipino blood running through us. But I think that we really need to do a better job at understanding our circumstances and the core of it all, which is colonization and its freaking reverberating repercussions that have become so insidious at this point. And yes, and she offers a few examples in our interview, and it's it's the reason it's ripping us further away from each other, which is which is awful. And it's something that we really, really, I think we need to just like take a look at ourselves in the mirror and and see what what we're doing and what the root of this, you know, our behaviors are, right? Mm. The root. Colonization. The root. Yes. Colonial mentality. Mm-hmm. Colonization and colonial mentality. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So I wanted to ask you, though, about your thoughts on the discussion that we had about crab mentality Mm -hmm. and supporting the community. So that part of our conversation really stuck out to me. And I know looking back at my life, I definitely contributed to this crab culture. Mm -hmm. I have to constantly check myself and remember that there is room for all of us to succeed and do well. Um, Do you have any thoughts about crab mentality or how that's impacting our ability to support one another in the community? Yeah, you know, I definitely have suffered from crab mentality. And I get it, you know, again, the root and Mm. (laughs) just like also, you know, not being able to see, see ourselves on the global stage or just like on stage in general, usually. So like, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, we are we are worthy of a global stage. We're worthy of all stage. All right. all the stages, okay, everybody. Yes, we are worthy. Give us give, the stages. Give me the stages. Give us the stages. So I think the question is how do we get ourselves on the world stage and how do we support each other on that front, right? How can we work towards getting this world stage closer to to us and embracing it and, and, and cheering each other on? As Rosalind mentioned, Filipinos are the third largest immigrant group and have a high expendable income. So, you know, <laughs> we have the means to support. Let's do that, everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I'd like to think that you, Crystal... And I are, are doing our part mm-hmm. in all of this by giving a platform to other folks in the community via this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we may not be the heads of anything at <laughs> ABSC, and, you know, but 
I think this work of supporting the community goes beyond anyone's title. Yeah. And regardless of where you stand in your organization or where you are in the world, the important thing is to to recognize and embrace your vision, your mission and what you stand for. And, you know, I think this can translate to us as Filipinos in the diaspora as well. And I think we are all inherently rooting for each other, like I said. So let's really, truly, meaningfully root for each other and support one another and love one another and uplift one another. You know, why should we bash on each other when we're doing when we see each other do great things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when we see people doing great things and doing the things that they love, like we shouldn't we shouldn't bash that. We should support that because that's a blessing. Yeah, it is. And likewise, everyone should find the time to do what they love, even if it's as a hobby. Rosalind joked about this. She said, you know, that she she knows a nurse who's also an actor, or she she made the comment about a nurse who is also an actor. Yeah. The takeaway for me with that story was that there is an opportunity to find the intersection of work and play. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you find that thing that feeds your soul, even if it's not your job, even if you're not getting paid for it. Yeah. Because if your heart and soul is telling you you got to do something, you, you need to make time to, to do that because otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. So... Okay, so we are kind of at that time, Crystal. What are your final thoughts? You know, I really want to go back to what Rosalind said. And I love how she said or asked this question. What if people were proud of who they were and we learned about the greatness in all cultures? Mm -hmm. You know, that was a funny moment. But how real was that question? I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's. (laughs) Food for thought. Let's ruminate on that question, y'all. Food for thought. And um, we love y'all. So be be the light that you are in this world because we need every single light we could get to illuminate. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Be the light. We do. We need your light. We need you. Okay. We love y'all. We got to (laughs) go. Make sure to subscribe to Me Search wherever you listen to podcasts. Find new episodes on the first and third Wednesday every month. Check us out at mesearchpodcast.com. And find us on social media at Me Search Podcast. Me Search is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. Editing by Dustin Domingo. Special thanks to our guest, Rosalind Alba Cobarubias. Follow her at Rosalind C and visit mix.global. That's M-Y-X dot global. Shout outs to all our friends and family giving this podcast a shot. We'll catch you all at the next episode. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me, Search, folks. Woo-hoo! Yay!